Thank you, Jim. Uh, we have two readings this morning. The first of those is found in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, it's page 1061, 1061 in your pure Bibles. So Luke 24 and reading from verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Amen. Our second reading is from 1 Peter, verses 3 to 5, page 1217. 1217. First Peter chapter 1 from verse 3, page 1217. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. I want to take this opportunity to thank those of you who were at the Holy Week services this week past. I think they went well. Also, let me say to the boys and girls here, just get into your wee packs. You're looking a bit sheepish. Uh, you can lie on the floor, colour in. Uh, that's great. Fantastic. Yes, thank you to those who came to the Holy Week services this week past. I think they went well. Um, I was 
especially excited at the prospect of the service in the high church because that was the one church building that I have never been in in my time here in Airdrie. I've been in all of the other, what, four buildings, but never been in the high church. So I was looking forward to seeing what it was like. It was nice. Not as nice as this, obviously, which goes without saying, but it was nice. Uh, Ian, the, the minister of the high church, had, had said to us before these services started that he was a wee bit worried uh, at the prospect of speaking to so many people who were not Church of Scotland members in case he said something uh, that we didn't like or that offended our uh, sensibilities. And I said to him, Ian, I was brought up in the Church of Scotland and I want the full experience. Uh, I mean, don't go baptising any babies, but apart from that, I want, I want the, full, the full lot. I'll be very disappointed if I don't get it. And I'm pleased to report that Ian delivered. We were singing from CH3, the We Read Hymn book. He had a pulpit that you had to walk up the steps uh, to get to. We finished the service with a threefold amen. It was a fantastic uh, nostalgia trip for myself. And it was a very good service. Uh, as well. But I have to say there was one thing in that service that I wasn't familiar with. There was one song that I have never sung before. And as I I sang the the words through, the words to the first verse I didn't quite get. I didn't quite grasp as I was singing them. So I looked them up when I got home. And this is what they say. Hopefully, there we go, thank you. So this was a hymn that I'd never encountered before. Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts, thou fount of life, thou light of men, from the best bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. So when we were in the high church singing those words, I thought, what what does that mean? But then we were on to the next verse. So looked up when when I got home and... uh, Change the those to use to try and make it a bit easier for me to understand. Jesus, you joy of loving hearts, you fount of life, you light of men, from the best bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled, oh I've missed one out, to you again. And then I began to, to grasp what the hymn was saying. The best bliss that earth in parts. That is an old-fashioned way. This, this song is actually 900 years old. It's good to remember at Easter time, isn't it, that we are part of a family that stretches around the world. Maybe in the news today we'll see services from all over the world. But also we're part of a family that stretches back through the generations. 900 years old, 900 years ago, our brothers and sisters were singing the words to this hymn. From the best bliss that earth Parts. It's an old-fashioned way of saying, from the best things that the world can give, isn't it? From the most enjoyable things that the world gives, success maybe, power, money, or the things that money can buy, uh, nice cars, nice televisions, nice holidays, nice clothes, These things leave us, thank you, these things leave us unfilled. Or I suppose we would say now, these things leave us unfulfilled. 
in the end. And I thought, this hymn may be 900 years old, but it's every bit as true today as it was 900 years ago. And it's every bit as relevant today as it was then, if not more so. We see all these uh, celebrities or successful people who seem to have everything that, that people are longing for, everything that people are looking for, everything that people are working towards, and yet clearly they are still unfulfilled, or in the words of the hymn, they are still unfilled. So we recognize that these things do not fulfill us, and we turn to Christ again, the one who is the fount of life and the light of men. Empty is usually such a negative word, isn't it? All of these things leave us unfilled. All of these things leave us empty. Empty promises, empty words, empty heads, all negative. Even after the children's talk, none of us will tuck into our chocolate eggs when we get home uh, today and uh, be rejoicing that they are empty in the middle, will we? Empty is always, or almost always, seen as a negative thing. And yet it is from an empty place that we find fulfillment, we find joy, we find peace, we find hope, we find that which we were created to long for and to look for. It is the empty tomb that makes all of the difference. So these three women 2,000 years ago were the first to discover that empty tomb. Not the disciples, not the twelve, uh, amongst the twelve, there was betrayal, there was uh, abandonment, and even after Christ is crucified, it's not the disciples who are first to the tomb. It's these three women. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, Luke tells us, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. An empty tomb for a moment, and then as we thought about earlier, the tomb fills, it floods with light, and they see two men fresh from the presence of God, two angels with a message from God to give to these women who have so loved their Lord. <clears throat> and they tell the women that Jesus is not here. He is not among the dead. He is not in a place of the dead. He has risen. He is living. So the women leave the tomb. They run back to the disciples, to the eleven who are left, to tell them what they have seen and heard. And Peter, on hearing this message, leaves and runs to the tomb to see for himself. Peter was the one maybe above all of the others who had experienced hopelessness. And yet he was the one who would write later on, about being born again into a new 
and living hope. Keeping the, the Easter egg theme going, Peter had placed all of his eggs in one basket, hadn't he? So the Lord Jesus Christ came by one day. Peter is with his brother Andrew, and Jesus calls them to leave their nets and to follow him. And they do. They leave their nets, but not just their nets. They leave their livelihoods, and they leave their old lives behind to follow Jesus. Peter was all in, fully committed. To follow Jesus was a 24 hours a day, seven days a week commitment. It wasn't just about what they did on the Sabbath day. It was every day. All of his eggs in one basket, as it were. And then the Lord Jesus dies. A shameful and an agonizing death, a humiliating death. Remember, to the Jews, to die on the tree was to die under the curse of God. And so what now for Peter, for this man who had placed all of his hope in the Lord Jesus Christ? There he is, disappointed in Jesus and disappointed in himself, because in the final moments of his Lord's life, Peter is found denying that he even knew the man, as he put it. Disappointed with life, disappointed with his Lord, and disappointed with himself. The one who promised never to disown Jesus, even unto death. Just an empty promise. And what of Jesus' promises? Were they empty too? Had they died with the Lord on the cross? Is this how it would all end? And maybe you've been there, maybe you are there this morning, disappointed with life, disappointed with the Christian life, thinking this is not the life that I thought I had signed up to. This is so much harder. And maybe disappointed with yourself. It's easy to sing the words in church, isn't it? It's easy to say or to sing all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give, but it's a lot harder to live when you leave the doors at the front of the church. We've all been disappointed with ourselves, and we have all experienced disappointment in life, but we have great cause to take heart this morning, because Peter went from that place to writing these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. Empty is usually a negative word. Hope is usually a weak word, isn't it? I hope that Scotland will reach a major finals now, Alex McLeish is manager. I hope that will be the case. Do I believe that will be the case? Do I expect that will be the case? No. No, I don't. Hope is a weak word in the world in which we live. But when we come to Scripture, hope is a strong word. The hope of Peter is a sure and certain hope that will not disappoint. We are waiting for what we know will come. 
That's biblical hope. We know that this will come. We know that this will happen. It is sure and certain hope. It is strong hope because Jesus has already secured it. He has defeated even death itself. The war has been won. Ed Clowney says, Peter writes of a sure hope, a hope that holds the future in the present because it is anchored in the past. A hope that holds the future in the present because it is anchored in the past. Peter hopes for God's salvation, God's deliverance from sin and death, and his hope is sure because God has already accomplished his salvation in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus cries out on the cross, it is finished, tetelestai, the work is done, complete, mission accomplished, job done, sin paid for, death defeated. And how do we know that he was right in that assertion, in that proclamation? We know that he was right because of the resurrection of Christ from death. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. Our hope will live as long as Jesus lives. I cannot promise that tomorrow will be easy. I cannot promise that this afternoon will be easy. But I can promise that Jesus will be there. And Jesus will be wonderfully, gloriously, fully alive. And if Jesus is wonderfully, gloriously, fully alive, then your hope is wonderfully gloriously, fully alive, no matter what you are facing, no matter what battles you are fighting. Ours is an ever-living hope because we have an ever-living Lord. No person, no thing can take this living hope from you. It is yours until the day that Christ comes again. And then it won't be hope, it will be fulfillment, it will be reality, it will be experience. The best bliss of the world cannot satisfy the soul like Jesus. The joy of loving hearts, the fount of life, the light of men. And so may we turn to him again and remember that we have a living hope. It's like one of those candles that you blow and you think you're going to put it out and it just keeps coming back no matter what you do. Maybe turn to him again and remember that we have a living hope because Christ is risen. Maybe remember that we will never die because Christ has risen. Maybe remember that our true treasure will never perish, spoil, or fade because Christ is risen. And let me finish by saying, if you have not been born again into this new and living hope, well, make today the day. We Christians get a bit grumpy when we hear 
uh, enjoy your spring break. It's Easter holidays, it's not uh, spring break. But nevertheless, springtime is a time of new life, isn't it? A time of new life. May this Easter day, may this springtime be your time to be born again into this new and living hope, to let go of the empty promises of the world and to give your all unreservedly to Jesus, the risen and living Lord. I'm going to finish with a quote from Spurgeon. This isn't 900 years old, but it's still quite old, so it's old-fashioned language, so you might want to just close your eyes as you try and absorb these words from Charles Spurgeon. And having read these words, we're going to close our service by standing to sing, I serve a risen Savior. Spurgeon says, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, with joy and gladness. He does not lie there now. Weep when you see the tomb of Christ, but rejoice because it is empty. Your sin slew him, but his divinity raised him up. Your guilt hath murdered him, but his righteousness hath restored him. Oh, he has burst the bonds of death. He has come out more than conqueror, crushing death beneath his feet. Rejoice, O Christian, for he is not there. He is risen. Amen.